have the Ayatollah of Fantasy Rock and Roll with us today, Adam Rank. How are you doing, Rank? They look great in person, and I uh, just can't wait to next year we, we can pack it full of 25000 Hey, Bob, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. I didn't know it was Ball Guys Day. It was being ranked. I mean, how do you lose? This is the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast. Hello and welcome to the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast, episode 150, presented as always by our friends over Fantasy Points and the Fantasy Points Media Group. Joining to me today, like every other day, every other week, we have Major Caldwell and Tara Roberts. How are y'all doing today? Doing good. Amazing. Go. <laughs> I'm tired. Let's go. <laughs> I, don't know I, keep, I don't know I keep doing this. Whatever. I mean, you got the flex thing going on. It's cute and all. I mean, as long as you stay away from cameraman, we should be okay. <laughs> hey, as 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 a, a camera, as a cameraman myself, you gotta get out the way. Like sometimes, or you stay in there and you get that shot. I've been hit on sidelines trying to get the shot, but you can't like cry like file after something like that happens. You gotta just go <laughs> punches, you know. Well, I know I was listening to Drew Davenport, one of those guys for legal advice there. If you catch him on Twitter, I mean, he's got some great threads. In this situation there, he would have advised his clients to do pretty much the same thing as his cameraman. You know, go get checked out to the hospital. Go file a report just so that it's all kind of taken care of. Make sure your I's are dotted, your T's are crossed. Who knows what kind of comes out of this. Now, we've seen this from a couple different angles. And, Major, you are our resident cameraman. I'm sure you've been put into some interesting predicaments over your days there. We've seen the Dennis Rodman kick to the groin thing where the guy was basically paralyzed for about a month after the fact. <laughs> I mean, I watched this video and I can't tell because it looked like the guy was walking in front of Devontae Adams. I don't know if he was targeting Devontae Adams. I think he was just kind of walking <laughs> in front of whoever was coming at the time. And then it looked like he stopped for whatever reason, almost like the team just lost a crucial game. Hunter Renfro and Devontae Adams got their signals mixed up on that last pattern of the game I'm after sure. Devontae Adams, by the way, it was a catch. I don't care what you're saying. He still had control with his left hand. Just because his right hand wasn't on there, he still had control with his left. I'm sure we'll talk about that later. But Major, what was the cameraman doing here? Like, aren't you trained to stay the heck out of that area to begin with? No, not really. You are trained to get the shot by any means. So that means if you're going to get hit, you take that hit and you get that shot. So he did the right thing. The only thing that I'm disappointed at, even with the Dennis Rodman one, don't act like you were murdered just because you got kicked <laughs> or don't act like you're dead or you're paralyzed now because you got pushed. It's everyone's looking for that payday. I'd rather you handle it with the player, get some free tickets, get some merch, get, you know what I mean? You don't have to go to court and sue these guys when you're being pesty, you know? I'm sure there's going to be a settlement outside of court. I don't think that's going to be a whole lot of, I mean, it's like a fifth degree Mr. Minor, whatever you want to call it there. I mean, <laughs> listen to we what call it Drew Mr. In, 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 in the States, but yeah. <laughs> well, I think in Missouri, uh, Drew was talking about that. It's like a $300 fine or 15 days in jail or something like that. So, I mean, from the legal side of things now, yeah, who knows? I mean, it's not my it's not my money, so I'm not going to talk about it here. Hmm. But we will talk about the Raiders at some point during the show, I'm sure of. 
but we had more carnage go down here this week. I'm going to list off some of these injuries here off the get-go and then kind of ask both of you, what's the one takeaway from these injuries that you're kind of pulling from that? Or if I don't mention the injury, what's the one that I missed that you want to talk about? We've got the Rashad, the, the Rashad Penny broken fibula out for the season. Is there a guy who's got worse luck than Penny? I mean, he was showing how explosive that he can be this season. I mean, he was one of the more electric runners in the National Football League from the back half of last season. He was just getting going here so far this year. we got the Tyreek Hill foot, quad, whatever you want to call it. That's an injury to keep an eye on this week because he may or may not be available this week for these, these this uh, week six contest here. And then you obviously have the Teddy Bridgewater, the first bit of the that whole – uh, concussion type protocol coming into place where a little bit of a stumble cost him and the Dolphins the rest of the game. We've seen the Skylar Thompson step in under center for the Dolphins. And then further to those concussions, Pat Frermuth there, Chris Olave. How was that a catch? That ball came out. I mean, are we back to trying to figure out what a catch is and what a catch yeah. is? I mean, the ball yeah. did not survive the contact going down. Now, we know why he didn't survive it. So that's another injury. And then, of course, this next injury we are going to talk about a little bit later, but I thought maybe I'll give Major an opportunity after I'm done speaking to talk about the Damian Harris hamstring. That looks like it's going to be a one to two week minimum type injury there, and what that means for the Patriots. Now it's not an injury, but it, it's probably—I don't want to say it's a good thing, but it's definitely a good thing. The Matt Rule era, the Matt Rule rule in Carolina is now <laughs> over. Freedom will reign in the Carolinas once again. Well, kind of. Mayfield, <laughs> a high ankle sprain. It's he's not. He avoided IR, which is what something Carolina was probably hoping for more than not was Baker Mayfield going on the IR. And now we're hearing that Carolina actually <laughs> Baker Mayfield. Some saying who the next head coach is. So buckle up, Carolina fans. This ride it ain't over quite yet. So Major, what is that one injury you want to kind of touch on here before we get into week number six? Yeah, you know I got to touch on a, on the Harris uh, injury, you know, because my, my guy Ramondre is going to uh, kind of eat off of that a little bit. But the hamstring is, to me, worse than actually dislocating something. The hamstring will linger. You said like two weeks. That thing can linger all season. You never know what a hamstring. So um, especially with a, a, a position where you have to explode and, and accelerate and, and decelerate, all in like one motion. So there's so many different things that can happen with a hamstring. Um, but, you know, I'm not happy to ever see anyone get hurt, but my guy, bruh, my Trey, it's about to cook, baby. Let's go. But we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But, I, you know, I don't want to dance on no one's grave at all. I, I, I wish him a speedy recovery. And, you know, Cause I do like him. He is a good running back. Um, I just hate the way that Bill Belichick uses those two guys. He can utilize them a little bit better. But again, like I said, the hamstring is a hard one, man. That's one of those things that can linger all year if you know don't get it treated right or if it's the wrong kind of pull or tear or whatnot. Well, we had some other injuries there. We got the Jalen Waddle groin injury. We got the Jahan Dotson. Who is again one to two weeks with a hamstring? He missed last week. They play on Thursday night football, short turnaround. I don't think he's going to be available for the Washington Commanders this week. And then, of course, we got the T. Higgins injury that kind of caught a lot of people by surprise, especially if you're inserting him into your lineup. Darren Waller, another guy there that uh, left Monday night that probably crushed a lot of fantasy managers there that weren't quite prepared for that. 
Hey, beat writers, I, I'm I'm going to give you a, a throw a flag on you guys here right now. You guys got to do a better job of keeping us informed of what's going on with these squads. Not one of us knew there was serious, any real risk of Darren Waller going down. And maybe it's something that flared up during the game. You know, we said what we're saying there. T Higgins, same thing. It just, it really hurts. It really hurts. So Tara, what's that injury that you kind of, you want to talk about? Uh, I guess, you know, mine would be a, uh, we'll call it a plethora of injuries. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Arizona Cardinals and having so many backs go down that they literally had to go out and just sign anyone that they could to the practice squad just to have. Corey Clement, <laughs> welcome to the team. <laughs> just to have some warm bodies. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, so, I mean, obviously we'll, we'll get into this. I'm sure. Uh, I know I will later in the show, but uh Eno Benjamin season over there as the default healthy back. So yeah, I think, you know, those are pretty significant and we haven't heard a lot about, you know, the exact details of all of these injuries, but I think we know enough from the fact that they had to go out and literally just mass sign people to tell us that, Hey, I don't think any of those guys are going to play this week. And obviously anyone getting signed right now is not going to be a massive portion of the offense. So yeah, that one's, that one's pretty big for me. Yeah, we know Daryl one L Williams. He went down there. We know James Connor. He went down. I mean, he he did a good job staying healthy last year, but that was more of a an anomaly of talking about James Connor yeah. this season so far in the NFL. But when you sign Corey Clement off the streets, that's probably a good indication that one or two of these running backs are not going to be available this Sunday yeah. against the. It's a big matchup here. I mean, it is an underrated match. Who would have thought we'd be? Praising Arizona versus Seattle as a primetime type matchup here on Sunday. But that's one of the games I am excited about. You're going to hear yeah. about it on Friday because it's going to be part of my Friday night hype show there because nice. I love everything going on in Seattle right now. And I don't know why because none of us were getting involved in this earlier, but there's some pretty good intrigue there when it comes to Geno Smith and what he's been cooking so far this season. But Major... We know Gino's a winner no matter how you look at it, but who are your winners and losers from week number five? Again, you know, I always got to go to my guy, and I think I'm going to start every week as he's going to be on my list. I'm sorry, guys. This is going to happen because he's that guy. But Ramondre Stevenson, remember a week ago I told you guys about Ramondre starting to take over that backfield in New England, and, and now that hair is being out due to that injury, we finally get a chance to see Stevenson go to work. I also told you that he's a type of running back that needs to get that 10 to 15 to 20 carries to get rolling. And that's exactly what happened last week. You know, Dre had 25 carries, 161 yards. You know, I mean, 161, that's not just something that happens easily. He had a couple of big runs and everything, but look for Stevenson to have another good or great game, you know, next week versus the 28th ranked defense cleveland browns you know but it's only going to work if, if if belichick finally let Ramondre cook like he for some reason he doesn't want Ramondre to be the man and i don't understand the guy can catch the ball the guy can run the ball the guy's fast he's blocking he's doing whatever you want to do but for some reason you want to have a running back by committee or die i don't understand that mentality belichick is one of the greatest coaches but for some reason i think he's slipping or missing a Missing what's going on right now. For my for my loser here, I'm going with another running back. Got to go with Najee Harris. Uh, I understand you're playing a second-ranked defense, a rushing defense, but, you know, these are the type of games that make you 
a star or put you to that next level. Like if you would have showed out against the Buffalo Bills, and we all know that defense is balling right now, that takes you to the next level. Uh, we do see you're an elite running back. You ran for uh, 12,000 yards um, or 1,200 yards. I'm sorry, 1,200 yards, seven TDs last season. So, you know, to only have 20 yards on 11 carries, that's not going to get it done, man. You're way better back than that. Um, you're on a higher caliber than that. Like, you should be the man, but you got to play big in big games. Remember about three or four minutes ago where Major was going to talk about not tap dancing on another man's grave? I feel like he already started tap dancing his winners and losers on another man's grave. Now, <laughs> he did mention Najee Harris, and maybe one of the reasons why he's one of Major's losers from week number five is because Tara has a winner from the same team heading into week number six. Tara, who's that player Does for she? you? I do. I do. Hear me out on this one. My winner for the week is Kenny Pickett. Let me tell you why. <laughs> it's not that he looked fantastic because no one expected him to be, no one expected him to win. No one expected him to be highly competitive in this game. It's a Buffalo. Um, but he is the big winner because in his first start of his entire career, Mike Tomlin let Kenny Pickett throw the ball a whopping 52 times. Now, let me kind of break this one down. I will say it very slowly in one game, one single game. <laughs> Kenny Pickett had 34 completions. Justin Fields has thrown the ball, just thrown the ball, pass attempts, more than 34 times, only once in his career. Mike Tomlin is going to let Kenny Pickett air the ball out. He's got to let him work through his growing pains. He's not going to restrict him and try to, you know, mesh the offense down and dumb it down for him. He's going to let him go. He's going to let Pickett cook. I'm stealing that phrase. It no longer belongs to Russ anymore. He doesn't own it. Um, Pickett is the big winner because his coaches actually care about him and his development, and they want him to do better, and they want him to get opportunities. He could not have been drafted into a better situation. So Kenny Pickett is my big winner because that is huge. That is a huge, fantastic sign. Uh, my loser is going to be uh, Khalil Herbert. Uh, so I'm not one of those people who thought like, there were a lot of people who thought that Khalil Herbert somehow in his you know performances had earned the right to overtake David Montgomery. And I am not one of those people who believe that. But I did at least think that, you know, coming into the game, David Montgomery, we didn't hear a lot of news for him in terms of his progress. This was a very late confirmation that he was going to play. It was very close to being more of a game time decision. So, you know, I thought given that, that they might, you know, just try and reduce his snap count a little bit for the sake of his injury and have him not play as much, maybe make it an even split just for this first game, not for long term. Uh, maybe like the Jamal Williams, DeAndre Swift situation where Swift was injured and he played a little bit, 50 ish percent of snaps, but Jamal Williams got the vast majority of work. Well, that didn't happen. <laughs> we got massive dominating uh, David Montgomery back is the lead back. He played 72% of snaps compared to only 28% for Herbert. David Montgomery got the touchdown. He also got the pass catching work. Herbert is a handcuff. That's it. We cannot count on him for anything beyond that. He was the loser because his role is very defined. He exists only to spell David Montgomery when he is injured. There is not something that we can kind of hope for in terms of his usage beyond that. He's a high-end handcuff. And this is the second year in a row this has happened, so it's very clear um, exactly what he is in that offense. 
I think a lot of fantasy analysts out there are losers this week. I think a lot of people believe that Khalil Herbert was going to continue to get that lead back role there, myself included in this, that he was going to continue at least one more week. When David Montgomery goes out there and gets 12 carries to year four and sees all four of the targets out of the backfield, I mean, that's a, that's a serious 16 opportunities versus four. You mentioned the snap share. I mean, yeah, I think a lot of us had that peg wrong. Now, for me, the biggest winner for week number five, it's me. How often do I get a good how often how often do we get a Jacoby Myers touchdown and a Jalen Rager touchdown Never, in the same week? It doesn't happen. <laughs> it just does not happen. I don't think this has ever happened in Upside the history of the world. National Football League. Mostly because Jalen Rager has never scored, I don't think, before last week. Jacoby Myers only had like two or three touchdowns coming into this game. So really, the sample size is pretty small. And you know what? Hey, I just had Canadian Thanksgiving here yesterday. That is something for me to be thankful for. Two of my guys. Jalen Rager, I still love you, man. I still love you. I mean, you're not doing nothing for me these days. The love that we had when you came out of college is still there. I still feel for you. I still have a little soft spot for you. And Jacoby Myers, hey, camera, right here. Look right here. Is the number one receiver in New England? Someone here has been saying that for the last two years, and nobody right? seems to want to listen to this. Oh, well, we Gary are markers here. Oh, we got Nelson Aguilar. Oh, Taiwan Thornton. I mean, maybe not in this room in particular, but you hear this all over the game. Everyone always wants to bury Jacoby Myers. All he does is leave the team in targets, receptions, yards. The only thing that's been missing from that repertoire there is those touchdowns and i mean it's a big part but man i feel like my children just did so well they actually got a, a ribbon not just a participation ribbon last week they got a ribbon nice. now my biggest loser it has to be antonio gibson i mean you've had every opportunity God, yeah. to seize that role in washington Every opportunity, and you did nothing with it. Yeah, you had some good games there, the whatnot, but when it came down to 3.2 yards per carry and 36 yards per game, is simply not going to cut it. Hey, Ron Rivera, he's too busy blaming the quarterback for every wart in this Washington Commanders team. It has nothing to do with the coaching, apparently. You know, maybe Ron Rivera should be my biggest loser when it's all said and done. What's the difference between you and the rest of the NFC? Our quarterback. No, bull. It's the coaching. It has been horrible in Washington, and it's not just been this year. It wasn't just the year before. But that said, if Antonio Gibson is going to be this biggest loser, it's because of the rise of Brian Robinson. Is there going to be a better story in the National Football League than Brian Robinson returning after being shot just a few months ago, coming back at right off the get-go? out carrying Antonio Gibson 9-3 to in his first game back. And this is just a small sample size. So if Brian Robinson is on the waivers, one, he's got to be a priority for you to go out there and get because you're going to get yourself a lead back in Washington. We're going to talk about waivers here in just a second. But first, we need to get into Thursday Night Football because by the time you're watching this, Thursday Night Football is getting on there. We already mentioned Washington and Antonio Gibson. I kind of went on a rant. I kind of may have just spoiled a little bit of what we're going with here. But, man. Major, let's get some major props ahead of Thursday Night Football. What do you got for us this week? Yeah, I get all my props from Underdog 
And you can too. All you got to do is download the app, enter promo code fantasy PTS for up to a hundred dollars match. Why not do it? It's free money. You're playing with house money. Go ahead and do it. Um, but let's zero in on a quarterback matchup. I, it, it was hard to kind of pick anyone from this game because it was a it's the Bears and it's the Washington Commandos. Like we got to figure out the, it's just a lot going on there. But you know what? I'm going to go with Carson Wentz lower than 227 and a half passing yards. Carson is averaging 278 yards per game, but is shown to be inconsistent throughout his career. Although the Bears team is trash at this point, let's not look over the top 10 pass defense. They're only giving up 197 yards per game. So Carson has been balling pretty much. He's been having good numbers, but they haven't really been doing anything. It's like a lot of garbage time um, stats. So I, I do like the Bears secondary. I do like what they're doing on that defense. They just got to get that offense together. And then for the other side, I'm going to go with Justin Fields, higher than 38 and a half rushing yards. Uh, Washington defense only allows 6.4 rushing yards to quarterbacks, but Fields is averaging 38.8, so pretty much 39 yards rushing per game on the season. But the last three weeks, he's been up to 48.6. Um, with that being said, the main reason I really think he's going to beat that mark because of the lack of protection of O-line and his lack of productive wide receivers, he has no choice but to run. So he's going to he, you're going to see some good yardage from him. And um, I think it's going to be a good matchup, uh, even though it is two teams that's kind of on the downside right now. Sometimes those Thursday night games can bring the best out of people, you know? Yeah, I mean. Before I get, to, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump ahead of Terry. I mean, we've got the one and four Washington Commanders taking on the two and three Chicago Bears. Both these teams are coming off of crushing losses here last week. One, I mean Carson Wentz. He threw. You got the full Carson Wentz experience last week. You get a 350 yard passing game, two touchdowns. But all anyone wants to talk about is that one interception at the end of the game that sealed the deal. On the other side of things, you got the Chicago Bears who were marching there. They lost 29, I think 29-22 to the Minnesota Vikings. They were coming down the other side of the field, and then Amir uh, Smith-Marset there fumbled away the game, cost them a lot of it. Hey, the press conference afterwards, Justin Field showing true leadership out there, picking up a young kid when he's down. I mean, Justin Fields is just a kid himself and taking this. I mean, that's what your quarterback needs to do, and that's why I kind of – I kind of have a soft spot here for the Chicago Bears and Justin Fields. Now, I'm going to rant a little bit more about Ron Rivera because, quite frankly, I can. You're talking about the quarterback. You're blaming the quarterback again for these things. I get it. But he's fourth in the National Football League in passing yardage. The problem is not the quarterback. Now, some of these interceptions are definitely on Carson Wentz. But you've got the fourth leading passer in the National Football League on your team and yet somehow this defense is one of the worst in leagues and yet he doesn't want to talk about it probably because he's a defensive-minded head coach and that is the problem with his team now tara <laughs> give us some dfs stuff that you want to get on him. oh man you guys have said a lot um to first look back to last week uh these thursday night games we know how they can be uh, last week, I said Denver and Indianapolis was a double defense game. That was correct. Uh, I hope you went that direction. And with this week having such a criminally low under, over under, um, insanely low, 38 and a half right now, um, you would think you would be inclined to kind of go that direction again and focus on defense and kickers, which, you know, makes sense in theory, but there's only one problem. Neither of these defenses are really good. They're just kind of like 
average defenses that I don't really want to rely on to carry me through in a showdown. And you've got a quarterback in Carson Wentz, who Matt, you just talked about very admirably in terms of the way that he can be, you know, he can go out there and randomly go off and wreck a defense from a fantasy perspective. Uh, Maybe not win the game sometimes a little shaky, but from a fantasy perspective, he can go out there and knock those defenses down sometimes. And it's random. So you don't really know how to predict that. So, you know, try to build a narrative around this game. Both of these teams could struggle. Both of the quarterbacks could throw multiple interceptions. And in that case, you would want to go heavy on defense and kickers and running backs. But, 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 but what if the offenses actually exploit the defenses here? Uh Exploit the D. Yeah. What if they exploit the defensive weaknesses? I'm not saying this is going to be, it's (laughs) not going to be a massive game. I'm not saying they're going over the under and this is going to be super firepower, but I think these teams can kind of hit in areas to produce fantasy points where we can utilize that in a showdown. Washington has allowed the 11th most fantasy points to quarterbacks, 13th most to running backs, fourth most to wide receivers. Chicago has allowed the 15th most fantasy points to quarterbacks, eighth to running backs, 22nd to wide receivers. So again, these are just normal defenses with questionable offenses that we've talked about. So when I look at this, I want to build around David Montgomery. That is the guy who I know for a fact will be getting the heavy workload. And if he's able to exploit that average defense, you can come around and get a pretty good usage of him from like, maybe let's use him in the captain position. He is very expensive, but you just maybe want to go that direction because he's more of a guarantee. And there's a lot of value here that you can build around. You can take a chance on Brian Robinson as well from a running back perspective. We've got news that, you know, Antonio Gibson, he could see some work in the kick return game, which again tells us, as Matt mentioned, this is not going a positive direction for him. Uh, you know, so go ahead and take that chance with Brian Robinson, reasonably priced. Um, I also want to play Cairo Santos as well. He's made three field goals, field goals over 50 yards in the past two games. So that's something that we can capitalize as well. There's good value plays. You could do Cole Komet. Again, this is a good matchup for him. When we look at um, fantasy points allowed to tight ends, you could go that direction, reasonably priced, good matchup. You could go with Equiminius St. Brown. Again, good matchup, reasonably priced. These are good value picks. And then you could also go with Curtis Samuel as well. So I think it's just kind of looking and finding where you can exploit these weaknesses and kind of piece it together and not have to worry about focusing on the defenses this week um, just because there's so many ways that this game could go. I mean, I'm probably stuck and glued watching this game one way or the other. I mean, the NFL has disappointed us a couple times this season here on these primetime games here, usually on a Thursday night. But, hey, at least we're not wasting our time watching a Denver Broncos primetime game this week. Oh, shit, we are. <laughs> well, hopefully you got nothing planned on Monday. Let's put it that way. Now, with that all being said, what we have planned is right now we are going to go 1v1, and we are going to talk about this game here. In more particular, Major and I, we are going to talk about Terry mm. McLaren versus Darnell Mooney here this week. And, of course, you know I've got to take the side of Darnell Mooney. He's <laughs> one of my guys. I just – when he's on the table there, I have to take him. It's just the way it is here. So, Major, I'm going to turn the mic over to you here first. Tell us why Terry McLaren is the better play this week in comparison to Darnell Mooney. I'm just going to say just for the whole month, we got to give it up to a dude named Scary Terry and this Hollows Ween. A person with a nickname like Scary Terry has to perform. It's like there's no other <laughs> reason or rhyme reason to it he needs to perform because his nickname goes with the season 
And Wentz is being Wentz. He's putting up good garbage time numbers. And he, you know, he hasn't gone to Terry as consistent on a consistent basis. Um, on the season, McLaurin has 19 receptions, 326 yards, one TD versus Mooney only has 10 receptions, 173 yards and zero, Matt, zero touchdowns. Scary Terry is averaging 17 yards per catch. So all you got to do is throw him the ball and you're going to make it happen. So he's got to find a way to get a little more consistent connection with his quarterback. But at this point in his career, uh, I feel like more comfortable going with Wentz over Fields just because Wentz, we've seen him in the past have, you know, that one season when he like took the team to the Super Bowl and got injured. But we haven't really seen that from Fields yet. Although I do like Fields, I do like what you said about him earlier, Matt. I agree with you 100% on that, but at this point, that offensive line is not allowing him to uh, to flourish like we think he should. You know what? I, I'm so proud of Major right now, Tara. The stats, the numbers that he's starting to use, I feel like he's growing as an analyst here. I mean, it's been fantastic. Numbers I mean, are dumb, though. But now you're finding the value. I mean, you're using them. Come on. I'm, just, I'm just doing it just because it's like filling time. Uh, well, hey, you know what? It's either that or me talking. So, I mean, numbers are probably what people are that's why I use them. hearing. That's why I use them. So, I'm going to go right off the get-go here. And, Tara, can you please tell me where Washington ranks in fastly points allowed to the wide receiver position? Well, you know I always have that uh, I know, spreadsheet. You, you, pulled you, up. Literally you know just mentioned it. Washington fantasy allowed to wide receivers. is They are fourth. In fantasy points to allowed to wide receivers. And what about Chicago? How many, what are they when it comes to allowing fantasy points to wide receivers? They are 22nd. Did he just use my stats for his argument? I am using your stats <laughs> for my argument. Actually, I had this in my argument here. Washington has surrendered the fourth most yards this season to opposing wide receivers on top of that. 950 yards. The third most touchdowns to wide receivers, seven. Add that up, you get the fifth most fantasy points per game allowed to the position, 41.48. But wait, there's more. We have visual on one of the sickest, dirtiest, filthiest wide receivers in the National Football League. Here we go. Cue the team. Five. Only for Justin Fields. Taking a shot for Darnell Mooney. What a catch. Absolutely incredible from Darnell Mooney. A one-handed 39-yard grab. I mean, just a go and look at the go. Oh, my just goodness. your paw. Absolutely filthy. This is the type of catch that changes a season. Matt Everflus there said this was a game changer for the Bears last week. This got everyone going, and I'm excited about that. But that's not it. I mean, we can talk about how filthy it is. David Montgomery literally sat there with his name spelt wrong on the back of his jersey saying, hey, that was one of the most disgusting catches I have seen. You want to talk about Scary Terry on Halloween? How about we have a bad moon rising in Darnell Mooney here in week number six? You want to get into Halloween? Bad moon rising. CCR, cue the music here. I mean, we're not going to cue it up. We're probably, get, we're, we're probably already going to get a flag for copyright infringement there for putting that video on this show. CCR get double game. Yeah. Look, looking at the air yardage leaders thus far this season, Mooney has accounted for 44% of the Bears' air yards, which is tough. Tied to the top mark in the league with oh CeeDee Lamb thus far. Hey, this offense is finally, finally starting to get it going here the last two weeks. 
Say what you will about the first three weeks. I mean, there's a reason why Mooney's only got those 10 catches so far. Those first three weeks were absolutely horrible. I will give you that. But, hey, looking at these, Mooney has now had five targets in consecutive games there, 146 receiving yards the last two weeks. Those who have kept faith in Darnell Mooney are going to get rewarded, and it starts here this week where he outperforms Terry McLaren. Man, I love my job sometimes. Man, you know, that one catch accounts for like almost a quarter of his reception <laughs> charge for the season. Like, what are we what are we talking about here? We are talking in that air, in that air yard stats yeah. you use. This is why I hate stats, guys. This is why I hate stats because you can make them say whatever you want them to say. Numbers lie. Actually, he has the most air yards per whatever percentage, whatever crap you said, because they throw the ball four times a game. And he, <laughs> like, come on, we got to stop playing the game. Let's let's stop playing the game. It's not that bad. I mean, you look at Darnell Mooney; he's open more often than not. It's just about Justin Fields being able to get him the ball. Now, the one thing that we are starting to see now in Chicago more than anything is those designed run plays, getting yeah. Justin Fields out of that pocket where he is the most successful. When we saw the Bears' offense start to click, that Bears' offense that we were hoping to see this season, last year it was because Justin Fields was opening things up with his legs. These last couple weeks, guess what? He has been starting to open things up with his legs. His uh, attempts per game has gone up each of the last couple weeks. Therefore, we're seeing Mooney's production going up. I don't think it's any coincidence that that is happening. So expect that again against a very poor Washington team, especially when it comes to fantasy points allowed. Terry already gave us those numbers in the DFS bit there. That's going to factor in in this contest as well. I'm trying to I have her help you. In <laughs> fact, I don't even think Terry has video footage in this game. Old stats. You're the worst, dude. Like, I swear. Getting <laughs> the station here. My Matt Donnelly robots will rule supreme again this week as we will right. win this Twitter poll once again and prove our dominance in this showcase. With that all being that. said, we are going to now turn our attention to the fact. Oh, Paris, uh, yeah. let me in. Uh -oh. The finger wave is coming on. What do you got? I just have some anecdotal evidence as someone who rosters both Darnell Mooney and Terry McLaurin on a dynasty team. I got to tell you, I'm only desperately trying to get one of them out of my lineup, and it's not Terry McLaurin. So. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. One of these guys is not going to be outscored by Curtis Samuel this week, and it's not going to be Darnell Mooney. It's going to be Terry McLaurin getting outscored it's by Curtis Samuel. It's going to be both of them, yet but again. <laughs> that's, besides the, that's besides the point. That could very well be true. Anyway, that said, now it's time for us to hit the mailbag here. And we got a couple of questions that have come in here this week here. First off, a question goes, and you got pay attention here. It's going to, a lot of different moving pieces here. I have Joe Burrow and Kirk Cousins is my backup right now. Do I drop Kirk Cousins and pick up Geno Smith? Yes. I'm not going to say why. Geno's just balling. Like I've tried, I went against Geno last week and said he was going to come back to earth and he proved me wrong. So therefore, I am like a fan now. I'm, I'm on board. Let's go. I'm, Gino was cooking like it must have been uh, Russ is like a system quarterback. Was that the thing that was going on? Because Gino looks pretty good in that system. Karen, what about you here? I know you're thinking about this. I don't know if I can do it because so I'm, I'm in on Gino. But the confidence that I have, like I know what Kirk Cousins is giving me mediocrity. is going to it's good. Yeah, but it's mediocrity that's going to stay. It's that I mean, it's. <laughs> consistent it is what it is he is 
he is consistent in terms of his output. He's, you know, he's like wide or quarterback 11 right now. He's been quarterback 11 for years. Like the man is incredibly consistent. I don't know. I just, I would still go with cousins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to take Sarah's uh, Tara's side on this one, because I think you've already got Joe Burrow. You've already got that number one quarterback already lined up. Geno Smith is great. Now. I mean, he's literally QB seven right now, as far as fantasy goes with 99 fantasy points there compared to Kirk Cousins there, who's sitting 11th with uh, just 86.38. So you're talking about a 13 point difference here through five weeks. You're looking at two and a half fantasy points per game difference between the two, but at least, you know, you're going to get that consistency with cousins. We've seen this year in and year out. Does Geno Smith uh, sustain this through 16, 17 games? I don't know. I, I have a hard Why time. Not, believing it. Why not? I'm not saying he can't. I'm not saying he can't. I just think we haven't seen it yet. And he's playing me, better than both of his quarterbacks. He's playing better than Burrow and Kirk Cousins. He's playing better than both. Well, right now, Joe Burrow is QB6, one spot ahead of Geno Smith. So, I mean, you're feeling pretty good about that. Gino, uh, Joe Burrow is starting to get cooking. This offense in Cincinnati is getting going. Chances are you're probably not going to use either one of these quarterbacks unless there's a bye week. And at that case, you just better check if Joe Burrow's on a bye week. Make sure that Kirk Cousins isn't playing a primetime game. If Kirk Cousins isn't playing primetime, then I say you go with Kirk Cousins. So that's what we got going on there. Uh, you got two for Kirk Cousins, one for Geno Smith. And then we've also got also uh, Pat Frerbooth there. We know he's banged up. They have Irv Smith Jr. already in their lineup ready to go. Do they drop him and pick up Taysom Hill major? I am. I just like Taysom because of Chico. They have him at tight end on sleeper, and I'll put him in my tight end spot, and he's running the ball down the field, scoring touchdowns and all that good stuff. I like the I like the cheat code, so I'm going with Chase him all the time. And I'm still mad at Tara because the one time I take her advice on a player is Irv Smith. She was talking about him at the beginning of this preseason and all that, and I grabbed him in like every league. And yeah, I can't defend myself on that one. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would I'm okay with picking up Taysom and dropping Irv because I don't think that Irv is a guy that people will be clamoring to grab up off the waivers. So if you need to go back to him, you can. So that's a really good I, I th- yeah, I think it's fine. And uh, that's gonna be two for Taysom Hill and one for Irv Smith, because I am still gonna stand on that Irv Smith Hill here, even though Tara has now abandoned me by the looks of it. Listen, has a, I'm has not going to say that at the end of the year, Taysom Hill, he may end up having more fantasy points than Irv Smith Jr. when it's all said and done. That's that's yeah, possible. That's that said, I know that those are going to be boom and bust weeks for Taysom Hill. We mm-hmm. just saw a boom week. There's no way he's scoring three touchdowns again. It's just he's you're going to get a now. huge week or you're going to get a zero yeah. from Taysom Hill at the tight end position. At least Irv yeah. Smith is going to give me six points. You know what I mean? I feel in a pinch. I mean, here's here's what I will say. If you're looking at your head-to-head matchup and you know Pat Fairbooth is going to be out of your lineup with that concussion, and if you're looking where you're projected to be outscored by your opponent, then I'm going to go with Taysom Hill here and bank on some upside. If it's a pretty even competition here where the scores are pretty projected to be pretty even, then I'm probably going to lean Irv Smith just to have that safer floor right now but the upside for Taysom Hill is much greater than that of Irv Smith so I will say that and then finally we've got a trade here that we want to talk about here Tara we've got Fournette and Aaron Jones mm-hmm. on one side or we have got the Kenneth Walker Travis Etienne and CeeDee Lamb side 
I know Major always likes to go with a three for two. What do you say this week? <sighs> I mean, if you're if you truly need a wide receiver one, I'm okay with making that trade. Um, I, I like Kenneth Walker. The problem is, is that you know. I, Fournette and Aaron Jones have the clear upside. It all depends. This trade comes down to whether or not it's real that Travis Etienne is surpassing James Robinson. So that's that's the risk that you're taking. If, if that happens, then yes, you won. You did a good job. That's just it's, it's risky. It's risky. Yeah. I don't mind the trade. Well, Major, you speak running back. What say you? I like it just on the fact if this is dynasty, I'm going younger all the time. You're getting two young studs and a young receiver that's a stud as well is not performing like we thought he would right now, but he's still really good. Um, Fournette's aging, Aaron Jones still balling, but aging. So I'm just looking at this one from the age point of view. And, you know, I like the two for one, the three for one. Uh, I like whenever I can get an extra player, I'm on it. I mean, I guess it comes down for me who you're dropping. If you're bringing in the side that's having three players, you're probably gonna have to drop someone. So it's not really a three for two trade ever. It's more of a three for three, but it's who that player is that you're going to have to drop to make room for these players. I think that's what it comes down to for, for me. I'm probably looking at this right now. I would probably, it, it's it's close. It really is here. It comes down to it is. how much Rashad White, I think, is going to factor into this Tampa Bay Buccaneers backfield. And when I look at this, I think Rashad White's going to have a bigger role down the stretch than what we're seeing right now. So I'm I, I'm okay with the Walker ETN CD Lamp side. Like Tara said, if you need a wide receiver, then this is a trade that you make. If you don't need the wide receiver, if all three of these guys are going to be starters for you right now, then you make that deal. If these guys are not starting, if all of a sudden ETN is a bench player, then no, I'm, I'm going to kick the two RB1s right now over the two RB2s. So, I mean, it comes down to what you, what your roster construction looks like. Now, we are continuing on here into week number six. Waivers are about to drop. If you haven't got those waivers in here, hopefully you got a waiver on Wednesday. Ter uh, Major, just give us two quick waivers that you're putting in this week. Yeah, I'm going with Darius Slayton. I've been a love-hate relationship with him. He's been on my team and off my team. If you look at his history on my thing, it's like all me and no one else. But, you know, he looked good last week versus Terrace Packers, you know, posting six catches, 70 <laughs> but you know he's building on his performance and should be you know it won't be easy you know facing the worst defense I, it will be easy i'm sorry it will be easy facing the worst defense in the ravens they give up 305 yards per game and i think he's going to eat a little bit i think they're going to like hopefully they build on it for some reason coaches they see a player do well one week and the next week they go away from i don't get it but hey i'm not an nfl coach uh my next one uh, Domini Brown, is that how you say his name? Diami, Diami, yeah, Diami, yeah. But he had his breakout game last week versus a bad Titans defense, putting up 105 yards and two TDs on only two receptions. Uh, so he showed his big play ability, um, you know, highlighted averaging 52 and a half passing yards per catch. So I, you know, yeah. Two catches may be a fluke, but he shows he has that big playability, and, you know, we'll see what happens. And what about you, Terry? Who are two players that you're looking at uh, putting waiver claims in for this week? Um, first of all, I apologize. If anyone's watching on YouTube and I look like I'm, like, uh, swaying and, like, 
restless or anything. I'm just tired. <laughs> it's 1130. Yeah, don't be yawning when I'm talking. Don't be yawning when I'm talking. I'm so talking. sorry. I'm like, I probably look so disinterested and like, uh, but I am <laughs> very interested. So I apologize. I'm like, um, <laughs> obviously I want to mention Kenneth Walker since nobody else did. Um, he is less than 50% rostered in Yahoo. So just wanted to mention that. But um, other than that, um, Mike Boone, I want to pick up Mike Boone. Uh, we saw last week he had a decent amount of work. Um, he had 41% of snaps. He was solid with his carries, got receptions as well. Three receptions for 47 yards. Melvin Gordon was the lead back, obviously, but this was a split backfield. And quite frankly, Mike Boone looks better than Melvin Gordon. So I, the way I see this moving forward is it's going to be more of a budget version of the Javante Williams-Melvin Gordon split. And Seattle is going to have to lean on the run game because, again, you know, Russell Wilson has had his struggles, unfortunately. And now he's got this injury that he's dealing with. They're going to have to rely. Yeah, yeah, I might be with you on that one. But <laughs> but uh, they're going to have to rely on the run game. And when you look at the Broncos next three matchups, they are against the Chargers, the Jets. The Texans, these are all teams that gave up massive games to opposing running backs in week five. So Mike Boone, he's got great short-term value in terms of the matchups and great long-term value as well, because ultimately I think this is a split between these guys, and I really don't see Latavius Murray as a as a threat to his playing time. Uh, the other guy that I want to mention is uh, Rondale Moore. Uh, I don't know why people are kind of... Uh, not believing in Rondell Moore, why they're knocking him, why they're not clamoring to grab him up off of waiver wires. Maybe it's that you're worried about DeAndre Hopkins coming back, but you got to remember, they, that's a very different role than what Rondell Moore is responsible for. We know the upside that he brings to the table. We saw the role that Greg Dortch had while he was out those first three weeks. Greg Dortch was wide receiver 19. He was playing the exact role that Cliff Kingsbury designed for Rondell Moore. He was very vocal about the fact that they were going to specifically integrate Rondell Moore into the offense, and that was exactly what we saw. When we look at week four in his first game back, now, first of all, that was his first game back from injury. You got to temper your expectations a little bit. And also, he wasn't specifically playing in the slot a ton. So that also affected him. When he's in his true slot role, he is very productive like he was last week. So again, this is a guy that I think has wide receiver two upside, low end wide receiver two upside. You want to roster him. Grab Rondell Moore. Don't be biased against him and just be like, oh, short Rondell Moore. Go, go grab him. Yeah, I'm going to stick with the Arizona feelings here. I'm going to go with Eno Benjamin. We talked about James Conner, Daryl Williams. Even Jonathan Ward got dinged up last week. They literally just brought in and signed Corey Clement off the streets and who is going to be in the lineup here on Sunday. So you look at what Eno Benjamin did. We heard in the offseason here, Eno Benjamin looked pretty good through the offseason and into training camp there and into the preseason. So we know he's looking good out there. 11 touches in relief, resulting in a 53 yards for Eno Benjamin. He's a guy that I think you can plug in now on your waivers and probably get more than one week use out of him. The second guy I want to talk about, hey, listen, time of death for Antonio Gibson's value <laughs> in fantasy, October 9th, 2022. Brian Robinson, he is back. I mentioned he carried Gibson 9-3. to If he's on the waivers, you have to go get him. But listen, J.D. McKissick, is also going to get involved. While Antonio Gibson is returning kicks because Ron Rivera is such a genius when it comes to using his offensive playmakers, J.D. McKissick, 51% route participation out there. 
And he's going to be out there in obvious passing situations. That's how this Washington Commanders three-headed running back by committee approach is going to look. 26 snaps, 22 routes. That's what J.D. McKissick had last week. He sits fifth in running back targets this season with 23. Go get him. You could probably plug him in your flex play. Hey, we got teams on buys this week. If you think about that, all these teams on buys, we've hit in the first bye week here with Detroit. DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams, Houston, Damian Pierce, Las Vegas, Josh Jacobs, Tennessee, Derrick Henry. We need running backs in our lineups. J.D. McKissick could certainly have a role for you here in week number six. Now let's get into our starts and sits here. Major, who do you got starting at the quarterback position? Who do you got sitting at the quarterback position? The mic is yours. I got Geno Smith. Like I mentioned a little bit earlier, Last week, I made the mistake. I thought he was going to uh, fizzle out or come back to earth, but he proved me wrong. Mr. Smith, He's he, he's. I have to give him love. Um, so to make things right, he's on my start list. You know, he'll be facing the Arizona defense that's giving up 248 passing yards per game and about two touchdowns a game. Uh, Geno's playing well. Uh, makes me think that Russ was more of a system quarterback and Geno is kind of holding on, you know, I messed it all the way up because I can't see right now. I don't have my contact on. Uh, let me try that again. It makes me think that Russ is a system quarterback or Geno's holding out on us, like, you know, holding out. I can't even talk. I'm sorry, guys. Did you say he can't see right now because he doesn't have his contacts in while looking through his glasses? No, I wear – see, I wear, a, I wear a contact. I'm, like, blind in one eye. So I wear a contact and glasses. That's how blind I am. And I, it's kind of late, so I took it out because it was bothering me. But, yeah. But – yeah, it makes me feel so like so much right now, Tara. So many things are being explained right now. It makes sense. Makes I see sense. things differently. I see things differently. <laughs> um, but yeah, I messed that whole thing up at the end, and I, at this point, it's kind of late and I'm tired, so it's all good. But my set, <laughs> I'm going to go with Cooper Rush versus Philly. You know, Rush is being undefeated. Uh, may intrigue some people to like pick him up and try to make him a starter and do all that good stuff, but don't. Uh, but Rush didn't really light it up the last week, throwing for 102 passing yards on only 10 completions with zero touchdown. Uh, Rush will be facing fifth ranked pass defense that only allows 189 yards per game. So, you know, anybody feeling a little happy, little froggish, or trying to jump on, on the Cooper Rush train, don't, don't do it. Listen, that's not just Cooper Rush that you're sitting. If somehow, some way, Dak Prescott gets inserted in this lineup, you're sitting him too. It doesn't matter. But hey, you think he'll be Cooper, back? I, I don't know what they're doing. Whenever he can grip a football, I mean, if I personally am the Dallas Cowboys fan and CD Lamb in particular, I want to ride this Cooper, this Rush, this Cooper Rush for as long as I possibly can. If Cooper Rush and the Dallas Cowboys can knock off the already undefeated Philadelphia Eagles. I don't know if you can let Dak Prescott go back to quarterbacking anytime soon, but hey, that's me here nor there. Tara, the mic is yours. Who do you got starting and sitting at the quarterback position? Daniel Jones. Let's go. (laughs) Yes. Um, I prefer Geno Smith, but obviously that's the guy that everyone's grabbing off waivers. And if you can't grab Geno, if you miss out on that, you can always go with Daniel Jones. Remember, he is a running quarterback. Remember, running quarterback and he is playing Baltimore. Baltimore's defense has given up the second most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. 
Danny Dimes. He only has Saquon Barkley and Darius Slayton that we already mentioned, but that doesn't matter. He will get it done. Expect a touchdown on the ground from Daniel Jones this week. Uh, my sit, <laughs> I, I hate to be consistent. I promise this won't be like a <laughs> crap on the, uh, on the Rams like over and over like and over again. No, I promise it won't be. Um, just this one, just this one. I had to resist Cam Akers though. Um, Matt Stafford. Yeah, I hate to be repetitive, but you got to sit Matt Stafford. Uh, I don't care that it's against Carolina. He has literally no upside. It doesn't exist. There's no upside at all. Um, on top of that, he's got fumbling issues now. He's had three in the last two games. He's a mess. Sit him. Sorry. And for me, we've already mentioned his name earlier on the show. It's Kirk Cousins. You're starting Kirk Cousins this week against Miami. This Miami secondary is not the Miami secondary of yesteryear. I mean that by last season. This season, they have absolutely been torched. 22.5 fantasy points per contest this season. And honestly, they have looked bad last week. They looked bad in all phases of the game. Miami has allowed 1,428 passing yards so far this season, which happens to be the fifth most in the National Football League. They've also allowed the eighth most, or sorry, the, they've also allowed the seventh most touchdowns there, allowing eight. And after watching Zach Wilson, this is after, after they held Zach Wilson to 210 passing yards, They've still allowed that 1,428 through five games, just to give you an idea how bad this past defense for the Miami Dolphins has been. Now for my sit, hey, I like to get bold every once in a while, and I'm going to get bold with my sits here this week. And I'm going to start off with, hey, you know what? I'm in a bad mood after my Raiders loss. I just want to sit everybody I possibly can from the AFC West. And I'm going to say Justin Herbert is a sit for me this week against the Denver Broncos. Now it's not a flat-out sit. I know you're going to start them. But what I'm saying is temper your expectations. Denver is allowing 10.3 fantasy points per game to opposing quarterbacks this season and managed to get to Matt Ryan six times while forcing two interceptions. Now, Justin Herbert is not going to get those inter- those, sack- or those interceptions there. He's not going to throw two interceptions. At least we don't think so. But we know that Denver can get after the quarterback. This is something that they've been able to do even without Randy Gregory. If you can get pressure on a passer, things can change out there. Now, we also know that L.A., they've been running the ball pretty darn good because Terry pointed this out multiple times the last couple of weeks. Austin Eckler has been on Austin fire. Eckler. He's and, back. Oh, Austin Eckler. Oh! No, we're not, now, no, we're not doing that. This is the same. <laughs> we always are. Why am I saying that Justin Herbert may not have those passing numbers? It's because I think they're going to go to the run game. Two weeks ago, Josh Jacobs had 140 yards against this Denver Broncos defense. Last week, some dude named Deion Jackson out of Duke University averaged 4.8 yards per carry last week, finishing with 62 yards on 13 carries. This is a Austin Eckler week here. It's not a Justin Herbert week. It's an Austin Eckler week. Thank you, Tara. I will the last two weeks to you. Now, that is a perfect segue into the running back starts and sits. Major, who do you got starting? Who do you got sitting at the running back position? Starting J.K. Dobbins. It doesn't sound as good. But Dobbins <laughs> having a modest season coming back from the IR uh, from last season with 28 carries on 108 yards but this week could be that breakout week we've all been waiting for he's facing the giants defense who's giving up 131 yards on the ground per game and the giants are the giants uh for my sit i'm going Devin singletary uh 
Singletary's going up against Kansas City, uh, third rank, right behind the Bills against the run. Um, but the Chiefs are only giving up 84 yards per game on the ground. Um, Devin's playing well around the game, but most of his rushing, uh, let's say, but most of his rushing game allowed is below average. Um, 171 total yards with zero touchdowns. So he's he, he's not doing that well on the ground, but you'll he'll make up for it in the passing game. So we'll see. Devin Singletary is an interesting play for me, especially from a DFS standpoint this week, because whenever Denver, whenever the Buffalo Bills are in a close contest, he is getting action, 73% of the snaps, which is unfathomable. Yet, when the Buffalo Bills are blowing a team away, when you think a team should be running the damn ball, he's getting about 46% of snaps. It, it makes zero sense, but you know what? So far, the NFL season has made zero sense so far. Zero sense. So, Tara, tell me a running back you're starting. Tell me a running back you're sitting. I love that you point that out, Matt. I think Singletary is actually super predictable. They, the, We know for a fact that when they get up in games, they're not running him late. He is not the guy who is – he's not the garbage time back. That's a close uh, ex- Well, no, he's not – I wouldn't say it's a cl- – he – as long as the game is competitive, he can be the closer. When it's not, they don't want him getting garbage time. They just don't. So you just – you, you got to know that. Um, but my start of the week at running back, I talked about him earlier – Eno Benjamin versus Seattle. Do it. Don't talk yourself out of it. Grab him off waivers. If you got him, start him. Just put him in. I promise you, you will be happy. Um, Again, we talked about the fact that more than likely he is going to be the only healthy back. So caveat, if he's the only healthy back, yes, 100% do this. Um, The big thing is it's Seattle. It's Seattle. It's Seattle. It's a team that you want to start running backs against, even if they're not technically running backs, like, you know, like uh, someone who's considered a tight end, like Taysom Hill that went off on the ground with literally no receptions. Taysom Hill, Alvin Kamara just obliterated Seattle for over 200 yards on the ground. Taysom Hill's multiple touchdowns. I'm 100% starting, you know, Benjamin, like that's, it's not even a question against Seattle. Yeah, do it. Um, who I am sitting this week, don't play any Alabama or ooh, Alabama. Huh. That was a <laughs> I think that was a Freudian Freudian slip. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't play any Atlanta <laughs> running backs. <laughs> um, yeah, this one might be obvious, but I want to make sure it's super clear. You have no business starting any of the Atlanta running backs this week. Um <laughs> unfortunately, now the weird thing is is that. They do want to push volume on the ground, but this is San Francisco. San Francisco has been exceptional on the ground. They are fantastic in terms of a run defense. Matt loves his yards per carry statistics. Let me give you CMC's yards per carry last week against him. Only 3.8. That's not good for CMC. That's an elite player that they literally held to 50-something yards and low attempts. Now, granted, you know, the coaching situation isn't fantastic, but neither is it in Atlanta. So, even in deep leagues, you're far better off just avoiding this situation as whole. We've talked about some pass catching backs. Um, you can pivot to Rashad White, J.D. McKissick. These are guys that offer like actual usable um, usage through the air that can carry you through and get you a guaranteed production that the Atlanta running backs can't really get you. So that's the direction I'm heading. Makes sense. You know I love my yards per carry. And you know what? Taysom Hill, he only had 25 less receiving yards last week than what Travis Kelsey said, and everyone seems to be really excited about that. Now, hey, with that hey, said, my question. start and sits at the running back position, it is 
You know why? Because I couldn't handle Major talking about him for a third time on the mm. same show. So I made sure to get in the show sheet ahead of Major. Now, so exiting <laughs> last week, we talked about uh, what Stevenson was able to do 161 yards on 25 carries. Major's already talked about him facing a Browns team that has allowed the six most rushing yards, 603, and the second most touchdowns, two running backs, eight this season that's a pretty much a guaranteed top 10 running back finish for stevenson this week book it right now now my sit of the week going with an alabama back here thanks tara for putting that in there i'm gonna say <laughs> you got to sit yourself some Najee harris even with pat fairmuth though because why i'm bold i can tell you to sit some joe blow kind of guy but hey you know what Najee harris pretty much has been joe blow so far this season now be honest, you probably weren't going to start up regardless because of this matchup. Tampa Bay, they've been pretty good against opposing backs this season, allowing just 14.46 fantasy points per contest. So I am officially giving you permission to sit mm. Najee Harris. Now, if Tampa Bay does have a weakness, it is two running backs catching the ball out of the backfield. And we know Harris is capable of doing this. We have seen this last season. We have not seen it this season. Whether it's Trubisky, whether it's Kenny Pickett, we have not seen Harris catch the ball out of the backfield. In fact, Pickett would rather call his own number when they get close to the goal line than give the ball to Najee Harris. So until we start to see what's going on with Najee Harris, I'm going to put it this way. The secret to surviving is to know when to hold him and know when to throw him and knowing what to keep and knowing what to throw away. Thank you, Kenny Rogers. That's who my source is this week on my running back. Sit. Now we've got to turn our attention to the wide receiver position. Major, this guy seems to be a guy that's been on this list before for you. Who you got for us? I'm calling Mike Evans. Like, you know, after a monster week two, our monster after I'm sleepy. Hey, cut this part out. After a monster <laughs> game two weeks ago, Evans posted 81 yards for four receptions, but didn't reach the end zone. Look for Evans to have a big game when facing a Steelers secondary that's third from last, giving up 299 passing yards per game and 11 touchdowns so far on the season. So look for Mike Evans to continue that good play. Uh, for my sits, I'm going to go with Greg Dorch. I mean, it's maybe an obvious one, but that's I just cool. want to kind of, cool. I just want to kind of talk about like the coaches and man and how they just make players so dispensable, like. Coach Cliff is like forgotten all about the receiver who showed well in the first few weeks of the season. Uh, the last two weeks, Arizona offense has gone without Dorch, uh, has only allowed one reception for six yards in the last two weeks after being like the man the weeks before. But at this point, it's safe to say, Sid Dorch, you know, drop him, whatever you got to do. But it's just like, I don't understand how. Uh, you know, when you needed him, he performed for you, but now you're getting some players back from injury and stuff like that, and you're, like, throwing them to the sideline. Coaches need to do a better job of, like, being human beings and not, like, using players like disposable rags. It makes you feel any better. Rondell Moore is going to get tossed to the side here in about two weeks when DeAndre Hopkins returns. Actually, I think he's going to help him. I think I think it's going to, you know, you know, DeAndre, he, he's going to get that double team. Nuke is going to always get a double team, so it's going to open up that underneath stuff for those little small guys running around. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know how you can feed both DeAndre and Marquise Hollywood-Brown and Zach Ertz 
and Rondell Moore. So some someone's going to take true. a hit there, regardless of that there situation. Is. Now, Tara, is it true? Your start of the week is it happening? Is this going to happen this week? It's happening. I don't have any statistical analysis to back this up. This is a feeling. This is a feeling start. Hear me oh, out. This here, is going to stop be. You, I gotta stop you right like now. First off, Major is using numbers. Yeah. Upside back down. Up using point, and now you're using numbers. feelings to back up your mm-hmm. state. Upside this is like down. Backwards day. You guys are like using each other's analysis here. In, okay, you know what, Terry? Back to you. <laughs> yes, we have now switched roles. <laughs> um, yes, DJ Moore. Uh, again, I, I, this is a feeling. This is not a stats thing. I think this is going to be a weird game, one of those weird games where your coach just got fired and you didn't particularly like him. Emotions are going to take over. I don't think they're going to win it, although it is possible since it is the Rams and the Rams are flat out awful. So this could be a shockingly competitive game. But just if you were the new interim head coach, what would you do to try and look smart? went over a locker room and fans. What does everybody want? Everybody wants you to target DJ Moore, get him more involved. Why is this not happening? And it's a great matchup to do so since the Rams have been struggling against the past. And then we also have PJ Walker that might be the starter. And oddly enough, I trust him more to target DJ Moore more than Baker Mayfield. Yes. I think again, you see PJ Walker has the tendency to be able to lean on a guy like DJ Moore. So I think this might add up to a good situation where we get DJ Moore actually maybe surprised. I'm going to put a number to it. I was going to say like, let's say 15 fantasy points. He's been hovering around double digits, not really going over there. He's been getting a little, you know, increase in targets over the past couple of weeks. And I feel, I feel this is it right here. We're going to get a, a mini breakout for DJ Moore. Exactly. I love, I love when Tara <laughs> feels some stuff. You know, she, you know, before she's a robot, now she's getting her heart. She can feel things now. <laughs> I, you know, it's like the Wizard of Oz. We're all, we're all becoming something else. It's true. I, but I, you know, but I've always. <laughs> but I always had the feelings for Austin Eckler. Matt, who's the, who's the RB one right now in PPR? You know Benjamin. You know we don't say PPR <laughs> around here. Oh, you're right. Well, then I guess we'll just have to settle for RB2 in standard. No, I don't because Odell Beckham's not here. Anyway, my oh. set of week at wide receiver is... Tara's on fire. <laughs> Nighttime, Tara. Okay. <laughs> my set of the week at wide receiver is sadly Garrett Wilson. I think we just need to accept what this is. Um, so Garrett Wilson versus Green Bay. The, Jet, the Jets offense just operates wildly different under Zach Wilson at the helm, and they like it that way. This is the way that Robert Sala wants to operate the offense. Brees Hall has stepped up. They're able to rely on him. Um, the offense is just more methodical with Zach Wilson. They don't have to throw for a massive amount of volume like they did with Joe Flacco, who was just out there chucking it as much as humanly possible. So the volume just doesn't exist for Garrett Wilson, and he's just an unreliable start, unfortunately. So I don't think you can go that direction. Sorry. <laughs> I, I want to point out that I don't know if you've noticed this, but since Tara's been drinking out of whatever's in that cup, she has become more interested in oh, the rest of the oh, show. 
So uh, congratulations on that. Now, for me, <laughs> my start at wide receiver, I'm not going to go too much into it because we already talked about him. Darnell Mooney. Yes, I am telling you to fire him up this week. I feel good about him against his Washington secondary. Now, my sin of the week, this one kind of hurts a little bit, but it kind of goes in with my, a, I hate the AFC West right now, and I'm miserable. So I'm going to sit Mike Williams against the Denver Broncos. Mm. Am I bold enough to say that Mooney outscores Mike Williams this week? Sure, why not? Let's do it anyway. <laughs> that all being said, Los Angeles, they may be hopeful that Keenan Allen can return this week. But if I'm the Los Angeles Chargers, I'm holding him out after their week eight bye. I'm bringing Keenan Allen back in week number nine when that schedule gets a little bit softer there for them. And you know what? You're, you're kind of keeping the ship afloat right now. So there's no big time rush to bring him back. This is a very different Mike Williams when Keenan Allen is in the lineup and when he's not in the lineup. You can look at the splits there. Mike Williams has been one of the best receivers in the game when Keenan Allen is out. Now, if Keenan Allen comes back, I've already mentioned that I think this is going to be a heavy dose of the run because Denver has been horrible at stopping the run the last couple weeks. And I do have the thing for Patrick Sertain because I like big corners and I cannot lie. Now, <laughs> heading over to the tight end position, Major, who do you got starting and sitting? Yeah, you know, we talked about him a few times on the show already. I'm going Tyson Hill versus Cincinnati, but Hill is a cheat code. You know, he's a tight end, but he does most of his damage on the ground, rushing 14 times in the last two weeks. Um, look for Hill to continue to be part of that Saints rushing attack, and he's also liable to throw or catch a touchdown on any given Sunday. So, you know, why not throw him in there if you're really struggling with a – because tight ends are just, like, horrid this year. My sits, I'm going Irv Smith. Again, we talked about it. Thanks, Tara, for your preseason love. I last time I'm going to listen to you ever. But I have him on, like, every team because Tara was, like, talking about I thought I had a secret weapon. I didn't say go all in. Well, that's how I took it, okay? Uh, but he's not doing anything noteworthy. Uh, you know, he's facing a Miami defense that's giving up 61 yards a game to tight ends. Um I don't know. It's just he's just inconsistent. I, I'm off. Like, yeah, I'm dropping him, and I'm just gonna keep blaming Tara for that. Thank you, my friend. Yeah. All right, Tara. I'll mm. let you rebuttal if you wish, but or we can just go on to your starts and sits at the tight end position for week number six. Uh yeah, I could rebuttal. I mean, like, based off of ADP and how it went down when he got hurt, like you should you've drafted somebody else. You should be okay. That should have been like your second tight end, like your oh that now. Like your okay, deep sleeper. Jackson. I'm, over here. <laughs> I'm just saying, man. Uh yeah. <laughs> my uh my start of the week at tight end is Will Disley against Seattle. <laughs> um yeah, Will Disley. I wish I could uh <laughs> didn't think that you'd be saying that one coming into exactly. the season. Um, especially with Noah Fant going over there and just going into like complete doom and non Where is he? Is but, he hurt? Uh, no, he's there. That's crazy. He's there. Yeah, that's it. It's embarrassing for him. I feel bad. Um, it is hard, though. It is hard <laughs> when you're playing behind the tight end nine in fantasy football. It's like, he sh yeah, he should be embarrassed. Um, Anyway, Las Vegas is on a bye. I like to typically, you know, target tight ends that play against Las Vegas. I couldn't do it last week because, obviously, saying sit or start Travis Kelsey is, like, the most basic thing in the world. So this will be the second week in a row that I cannot recommend just, hey, start whoever is playing against Vegas. So we're going to go with Seattle. Because Seattle is quickly uh, gaining a name for themselves. 
as a team that you want to start opposing tight against. They have they have given up the second most fantasy points to tight ends. Most recently, Taysom Hill. Obviously, that doesn't really count as a tight end. But before that, they gave up the best game of his entire life to TJ Hawkinson. Before that, Kyle Pitts had a five reception, 87 yard game. I know you're thinking, what? That's not impressive. Well, for Kyle Pitts, it is because prior to that, outside of that game, he had never had more than 25 yards against any other team. So, yeah, man, he blew up on Seattle in comparison to everything else that he's done. Then before that, they even gave up a touchdown to Ross Dwelly when he was playing when uh, George Kittle was out. So, yeah, man, Seattle does not have a good track record. Um, or the, the not Seattle. Or, or, yeah, sorry. I'm getting thrown a little bit. Yeah, but uh, Arizona. Arizona. Yes, sorry. Arizona does not have a good track record. Sorry about that, guys. That's late. It's late. <laughs> and now you're set of the week. My set of the week is Tyler. Co- Everything's correct. I just said I used the wrong word. It's we Arizona. <laughs> Sorry, guys. My set of the week is Tyler Conklin. For obvious reasons, we talked about the Jets and the way that the value, uh, the pass volume has dipped incredibly. And Tyler Conklin has unfortunately gone from someone that was, you know, thinking that we were looking at him as one of those guys that was like, you know, a breakout top five tight end. Nope. Sorry, it's not working out for him with Zach Wilson. It's not working out for a lot of people with Zach Wilson, but it's working out for the Jets. So, um, yeah, sit Tyler Conklin. And I'm going to finish up with a couple starts and sits. And, of course, I'm going to get bold again when I get to my sits because as I was writing this, I didn't realize this until now that all my sits were basically AFC West players there that the Raiders are on a bye. So there is some deep down anger issues that I need to sort out after this show when it comes to my fandom. I mean, I really, really have to sort this out a little bit later. Now, for, first off, my start of the week, I'm going to go to Duval County here. Duval. I'm going to hook up with Evan Ingram. Yes, we are going to hook up with Evan Ingram against Indianapolis. Now, look, last week, Ingram had 10 targets, catching six, six of them against the Texans for 69 yards which came to the expense of Christian Kirk. So I am a little petty here, so I really kind of was like, you know what, do I really want to start Evan Ingram? Because Christian Kirk is one of my guys. And that still cuts a little too deep right now. Now, saying all that, Indianapolis, they've been tough on opposing wide receivers, allowing a league low 25.15 fantasy points per game. However, they are allowing the fifth most fantasy points to tight ends this season, allowing 16.25. 0.24 per contest and the second most touchdowns with four. So yeah, I feel pretty good. This could be an Evan Ingram type week here for the Jacksonville Jaguars and my sit of the week. Listen, I know you're not going to do it. I'm probably just trying to sort through my feelings right now. And this is going to be unpopular. Nobody's going to listen to me, but look, I'm sitting Travis Kelsey against the Buffalo. No, no, I'm not sitting, but I am tempering my expectations when it comes to it. Listen, We know that last season, Buffalo actually held him in check one game, and then he went off in the other game. So we know Buffalo is capable of doing that. Buffalo is also capable of shutting down tight ends this season, and we have seen that thus far. Buffalo is allowing the seventh fewest fantasy points per game this season to tight ends, 7.58. They've allowed the seventh fewest yards at 169. Look, Travis Kelsey had like seven catches for 25 yards. The thing was, the Raiders just decided not even guard him in the red zone. Like, literally just did not guard him. Let him run around doing nothing. You let Patrick Mahomes flash a four-finger go, yeah, I'm right here. 
you know, it's Kermit the Frog type. Of, <laughs> anyway, I'm not going to get into that either. No. Listen, that game I talked about with Buffalo, they held him. They held Travis Kelsey to 57 yards. He did score in that contest, and that other game was eight catches for 96. But that was with Tyreek Hill commanding the attention that Tyreek Hill does. We know Hill is a difference maker in that in an opposing team secondary. Buffalo is going to scheme specifically on how to shut down Kelsey, specifically in the red zone, Raiders. Specifically, let's make sure the best player on the field doesn't get the ball when the points matter. Now, hey, okay, I'm still working through some issues. I'm sorry. You now, <laughs> if someone else the Chiefs doesn't step up, then the Bills have no one else to worry about. This is going to be an easy decision for the Bills to focus all their attention on Travis Kelsey. Hey, Kyle Pitts, I was going to put him here as a start, but by now, like Tara said, it's pretty much a given. You should be sitting Kyle Pitts each and every week. What you shouldn't be sitting on each and every week, or maybe what you should be getting going on every week, is FantasyPoints.com. Get on that subscription. Get off your butt. Get off your wallet because it is the best bang for your buck website out there right now. Use promo code 22VIPERS10. Get 10% off that subscription today. The guys over there, they got some dank stats going on right now. The fancy data team, they are crushing it right now. You want data, they got that. You want DFS, they got that too. You want to know who Graham Barfield really is? Hey, we got some secret information on that too in the Discord channel. So make sure you are getting in on all that information. With that all being said, for Tara, for Major, I'm Matt Donnelly, and this has been the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast, presented by the Fancy Points Media Group. And we will see you all again next week.